Uh, JC713 is going to be cracking up already. Hey, everybody. Welcome to UGA Sports Live. My name is Rodney DeBolsi. I'm joined by Dane Young and, of course, Jim Donnan, the former head coach of the University of Georgia Bulldogs. Uh, the number one reason everybody's tuned in, and this is UGA Sports Live, where we talk about George Bulldogs. We're eight. This is a special Thursday night edition, 8 o'clock, kind of crazy, but uh, we had some uh, scheduled conflicts earlier in the week, so we moved it to night to a night episode and as well as a Thursday episode. So a completely different viewing audience than what we're used to, but uh, we will have a great show for you. We've got a lot of uh, stuff to talk about. The season's here. I mean, we're what, nine days away. It is time to tee it up between the hedges or in Mercedes-Benz Stadium and get this uh, football season going. Uh, big shout-out to all of our sponsors and a new sponsor we have. I want to shout-out to uh, Dead Soxie, uh, Academia Brewing Company, Europe Pizza, Athens Ford, and, of course, our newest uh, sponsor, Prime Shrimp. You have one day left to get it on their 50% off deal. So be sure to, when we are done watching this show, go to primeshrimp.com. Use promo code UGA Sports get fifty percent off shrimp delivered straight to your door. All right, Coach, uh, I'm getting that. You see, my hands starting to get shaking because the season's here. We got we're you know we're finished up these uh, watch along uh, preparations. We're getting ready to you, me, and Dane to sit down in your uh, man cave there, put the game on, do the live show, the watch along. The season's here. It's been a great off season. Georgia defending national champions, but it's time to put all that away and get ready for this coming season. And we've talked about the offensive uh, depth chart, the defensive depth chart. There are a few battles left, but what do you do nine days up? Because the last I heard from Georgia's practice is those guys are sick to death of hitting each other. They want to hit somebody else. Talk to yeah, there's a real fine line between being ready and uh, maybe thinking you're ready. And <laughs> it's just important that uh, the players – understand that the coaches have a good feel for the team. I remember last year, uh, I thought our team was really ready early. Uh, and I said something to Kirby, I just passing there one day when I was leaving, I said, man, I tell you, this team really looks ready. And, uh, you think maybe she cut back a little bit here in the next couple of days, you know, just like that. This looks like an old coach talking to his old player and he said, we can't cut back. So we got to keep bearing down. We got to win this game in the fourth quarter. And truer words were never spoken. I mean, our team, our team just really did the job uh, in the fourth quarter against Clemson. And he, you know, every coach has got a feel for his team. And uh, that was one thing that, that I learned uh, the more I coached. Uh, and I've mentioned this several times. Uh, I did a very poor job the first year I was here. I didn't have a good feel for our team. I spent way too much time. Uh, raising money, trying to build a weight room, and not getting to know my kids as good as I needed to, and it cost us that that first year. Just ridiculous. The couple teams we lost to because we were playing guys that weren't as good as ones that that were better than them. So the point is, it, with a veteran coaching staff and some new blood in to maybe give it a little ideas about things to do, this team isn't going to be off guard. As far as their preparation, they're going to, you know, they got that little edge because they're still trying to win over four new assistant coaches in, in their practice habits. And uh, they, they know what it takes to win. But uh, we definitely got a few position battles that people have talked about offensively at guard. The fact that Tate Radley just coming back off a very difficult injury last year uh, and then he had turf toe on top of it. Uh, he really kind of controls the narrative there because if he's ready to go, 
Then you got a solidly entrenched right guard and right tackle there with a, a really good player behind them and Mims on the outside. So, uh, but at the at the left guard, you just got a real dogfight there between Truss and uh, Willock, two really good players, both from the Northeast. Both have really uh, benefited from good coaching and, and working hard in the system. And uh, I think we'll probably see some alternating there. Uh, if for some reason uh, Rattledge can go, then I could see a veteran move moving Erickson from second team center out to guard just because of his veteran knowledge and savvy uh, there on that side with McClendon. So that's just my take on that position. Then at tight end, we got some real issues. I don't know if we got enough players. <laughs> uh, man, I'm telling you today, I was over there at the facility. Uh, I had a friend of mine that wanted to see the uh, you know, the new facility and uh, very graciously a couple nice guys over there. Colby and uh, Drew took them around and showed them, but Darnell Washington walked down the hall and of course he was smiling. So it made it easier to walk beside him, but it's, it's, he's just a massive guy. I mean, and, but today was their off day. Uh, Something new that I didn't know about uh, in the NCA mandated, you have to take off five days within the 31 practice days. So they have an extra day in fall camp that you have to take off. To, to make sure you're not uh, working the guys too hard. And I'm sure a lot of coaches don't like it, but uh, coaches probably do understand that, you know, these yeah. guys are. So it's really a good move by us because actually tomorrow we will start Oregon week. And from that standpoint, it'll be, you know, like a, uh, instead of it being a, a Monday practice, we'll have two pretty good, Tuesday practices, Friday and Saturday, where we, you know, bump them around pretty good, not on the ground or anything, but it'll be kind of a jump start. Then they'll take off Sunday like they normally would and then renew things on Monday. So uh, defensively, obviously the corner position with only Ringo back with as a veteran player, uh, it looks to me like Lasters really took advantage of all the reps he got last year. You got Green coming around. You got – uh, Everett, who is a, a really good-looking athlete, they could—they're both going to play a lot of special teams. Then at safety, uh, you got a little battle there with Tyke Smith uh, trying to unseat uh, Pool there at star, but I don't think he's going to be able to do it. I mean, he's—he's a hundred percent, but he still hasn't played in the system. Pool's a better and savvy guy, and then back there with Dan Jackson, Malachi Starks is breathing down his down his throat because he's such an athlete, but Jackson knows what to do. Linebacker-wise, you got Sori and Munden fighting for that other position across from Pop, who I think has really shown a lot of leadership in the spring and summer. And, uh, you know, for a backup quarterback, it looks like Beck has gotten a a predominance of the reps with the twos. Certainly Brock has come along, but uh, I don't know that they're ready to say which one of those guys or any of these things. I mean, these are just some things that I feel like that just by word of mouth and everything, that's the way it looks. And is any other position that I missed on that? I, I don't have a very good memory here. But uh, Well, we should probably talk about running backs since the last time we spoke, Andrew Paul out with the ACL. So what Georgia yeah, looks like I, I with that like room. The, I feel like the, the first thing everybody says, well, you're limited in your scholarships. Well, we are when you lose a guy like that, because we only had five on scholarship. So 
but I do feel like the, that the, the the four we got with Robinson added to Edwards and McIntosh and Milton, who who uh, Milton had a hamstring, and I think they worked him out, and he's coming back from what I understand. And then you got uh, you know some walk on kids that got some ability that will probably play some special teams. You, you got the ability to use these tight ends as an H back type guy, move them around Bowers and, and uh, Gilbert can do that uh, and, and come out of the backfield. I think if we would get one more hurt, then that would be a, a real, real concern. But at this point, uh, Paul and, uh, and Robinson were getting a lot. Is that his name? What's the other guy's name? Uh, Branson Robinson. Yeah. The, uh, getting a lot of reps in the going against the threes and all, and all these people going gaga against them, but they weren't doing that much against the twos and ones. But they got certainly got potential, and you hate for the guy to go down. I did see uh, uh, Arian Smith over there today uh, on crutches, and uh, he had a good attitude. He said, "Coach, I, he said things happen. He said I'm work. I'm gonna be working hard on it. He said I'd like to." feel like I can be back and play some this year. And I said, well, you just got to take it day to day. But he had a good smile on his face. And uh, hopefully, uh, you know, he, he's due some good luck on the, on the rehab. So uh, uh, wide receiver, we've really limited the reps of Kiaris Jackson and also Don Blaylock because of existing injury. But normally speaking, you do that with a veteran player. You know, you, two reasons. One, give the other guys some experience work with good teams first and second team, and two, they don't need a lot of uh, repetition at receiver. You do so much running out there on the perimeter. Anyhow, if you just think about coming in and out of the huddle, if you huddle up, you're going 15 yards more than anybody else that's going to your outside receiver position. And uh, soft tissue issues are always a problem with defensive backs and wide receivers. So hopefully th those two will be able to go. Mitchell and and McConkie are there, ready to rock. Uh, we've seen some of the stuff that Meeks has done and also the new kid from Texas. So uh, we should be good there. And I think that C.J. Smith is finally coming back out to practice after a little bit. And Marset, too, the freshman we talked about in the spring. So uh, we got players stacked up like club sandwiches. I mean, we got them. I feel like I need a scouting report on the trainers and the GAs and – Maybe the spike squad. What else you got on them? Because, I mean, you're really slacking here, Coach. Yeah, our trainers really got to bear down. I mean, they need some more water breaks because they can't keep up with it. No, our trainers are so good. Uh, Ron Corson has done a terrific job of hiring the right person for the right job there. They, do, they really do interact. They have more time along with the strength coaches with the players than anybody between getting them ready for practice, taping them and pre-practice stuff, and then after treating the injuries. And then, you know, they, they get a chance to kind of mother hen them a little bit, so to speak, but also give them some tough love too when you got to fight through it. So uh, just the outstanding staff for trainers, strength coaches. And uh, the one thing that I always told our people in auxiliary positions and certainly that, that doesn't mean that that is one less than any other or more than any other. You've got to be the best person at your role in the SEC. So if you're the trainer, you got to be the best trainer. If you're the strength coach, you got to be the best strength coach because that's what the other teams are trying to do with their position. And uh, 
take a lot of pride in your work and uh, work your craft and uh, get out there and study how to be better and uh, and and know that you got a role in helping these players develop and uh, attain their goal of being a good player. Roddy, can you make a note for me? Because Coach said a phrase that gave me an idea. A weekly podcast with Ron Corson called Tissue Issues. Write that down. Brought to you by by Kleenex. I like it. Let's do it. Mark it down. Oh, that's beyond terrible. Yeah, I don't think Ron would do that. Rocket ship to the sky. He wouldn't have time to do it. Plus, uh, I'd like to know what his time schedule is. Uh, sometimes I get some texts from him. Uh, I, I said, Ron, do you realize it's five o'clock in the morning? Uh, uh, but uh, I mean, the guy works tirelessly. And uh, I don't think he and Claude fell to sleep. Claude, Claude's another one that uh, nocturnal Claude. You know, I mean, he's, uh, uh, there isn't any there. There, I mean, there might be some doubt about certain people over there and their rank around the country. But if anybody's ranked any higher than Claude Felt and Ron Corson, uh, they're lying because th- those are the two best you could have. I got questions about John Mishad in the equipment room. Oh, I mean, well, we could get into all of those guys. <laughs> Gage, Gage Whitten has come in here from Alabama and really helped us too. John's, yeah. John's focused a little bit more on the uh, – the uh, using the uh, stuff in practice now. They do so much with their headphones in practice now where the coaches practice communication with the team and each other so it carries over to the game. So you got to keep those batteries going and all that. Can you imagine if one of those goes out and Kirby finds out about it during practice? (laughs) So they do a good job of uh, learning how to communicate with each other and then it carries over in the game. You know, like let's just say they've called a play and there's a breakdown with the old line. Well, there's a communication right there. What happened? And Searles tells Munkin or Munkin says something to a wide receiver coach or what. But they're, they're, you're practicing that just like you do game situation. You know, I mean, it, it's good. I like what they do there. Did you know that, Roddy? I did, I did not. I, I know they practice how they go to the movies. You know, I know they, they practice Friday night. <laughs> they, they practice a lot of stuff, and I like to give uh, Mishad help just because he's been there as long as. Hey, as he started out as a manager for me. Uh, really, he's, <laughs> he's good. I mean, he, yeah. And, and they put out that picture of the uh, black cleats the other day, you know. So he's in charge of the, for people who don't know. John's in charge of the equipment room down there, and I got everyone started talking about black jerseys, and I'm like, hell, it's black jersey season. That means fo- football's really here, coach. <laughs> when people can start worrying Why about the jerseys, the block deal? numbers. Why is that such a big deal? Rarity. Black scarcity jersey. creates value. And when you what's do our, what's our school colors? Red and black. Well, why is it a big deal? Wear the black. Because we never wear black. So people get excited about it. So it's the scarcity, but it. also it's just a sports thing. Like soccer in Europe, I think, has done this a lot where you have a lot of different kits as they call it there and i think it's just become a sports thing of let, let's have different uniforms and college tends to be behind on that other than oregon and I when georgia oregon's does it it feels special oregon's got nine different uniforms they're gonna wear this year which which doesn't make it special though because they have a new one each week you're like ah but when you have one that you only break out once a year once every two three four years now it's a big deal so i get it but that again 
I like those you, white pants, don't y'all? Hmm? I like those white pants and those black pants that they the kids take the pictures when they come oh, in. Yeah. They yeah. look good too, but you can't. You're not going to get away from the silver bridges. I mean, that's well, well coach. Hey, people, I talk just as much about bringing back the red pants. You know, like bring those back and those look good against Arkansas. Yeah, coach. You ask why people still talk about the black jerseys. I still have people that when they hear that I do a show with you, they ask about the Don and Stripe on the helmet. Hey, that was a Dooley Stripe. <laughs> Coach Dooley told me about that Stripe when I first got here. He said, we did that in a bowl game with Ray Goff. And uh, if you're going to wear black shoes, you might ought to consider that. And I said, well, I didn't know anything else. And uh, I'll take the blame for doing it because I was a coach. But I, I was I never heard about it until he said it. Look up, look, Georgia war in a bowl game against somebody in a Shreveport game. See if you can get a picture of that and see the black black stripes on. So I'm not the one that put them on there first, but I'll take the blame for putting them on there. But uh, I wasn't trying to do anything to the uniforms. Not, go, hey, go back I, to I'm not thing. ascribing blame. I'm just saying that when I've heard no, about it, I people mean, but, put it uh, to you. Two, two things that people get on my ass about besides losing those three games to Tech are the black stripes and then the – Giving people hell on the radio show. That's and hey, Coach, I only did it twice. No, well, now let's let's talk radio show real quick because Kirby Smart had his radio show tonight, and I'm gonna give you a couple of questions that he was asked. These are tough ones. Now you get off easy on our show. Okay. All right, what was it? What, uh, who's the starting quarterback? <laughs> no, uh, the first question was how did the players respond to the new dining facility? Tough question. Oh, they were pissed. <laughs> Exactly. Hey, why would we eat like this? No, go ahead. What's the second one? Uh, how hard is it for players to juggle their duties when classes begin? Uh, well, how has Stetson you know, stepped up his leadership role? You don't want school to get in the way of football. That's <laughs> well, he's got some canned questions there. Who, 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 who asked those? Mary Beth? Or, I don't, uh, can anybody block Jalen Carter? I thought that was kind of tough. Yeah, they can, but if they hold him. <laughs> Uh, what's the biggest challenge coming off the national championship? I mean, just complacency. So, yeah, all right, that's uh, enough for that. Let's go on. He's got. I know. I'm just teasing the. the Are we going head to head against him tonight? Uh, no, he, he he's done. I hope. I hope we're not going I'm to tell you what, if we are, that's the worst scheduling thing I've ever heard of for us <laughs> trying to go up against the head coach. No, he's done. Uh, Aaron Anthony Dasher tuned in and uh, just in case he said anything uh, that would turn into a story. But uh, shout out to Dash for uh, going through that. But point being, uh, folks, we know you have better questions than that. So go ahead and yeah. put them into the YouTube chat, the Facebook chat. We'll put them up on yeah, the screen. We'll answer some, them. So Let's get uh, some good questions here. Yeah, Coach is really good about that. But before we do that, I want to talk about a couple of our sponsors real quick. And I got to mention our newest sponsor first. And yeah, I can tell you about all these other folks, but I need to mention our folks at Prime Shrimp because they're really, really important. Because the folks at Prime Shrimp are brand new uh, podcast sponsors, and they're also running a promo for it. Now, the way Prime Shrimp works is you order shrimp from this company in New Orleans. They've been uh, peeling and uh, deveining and uh, getting shrimp ready since the 1940s, okay? Uh, the shrimp comes to you frozen. It comes with dry ice, so they can ship it to you. If it takes a couple of days, it's not going to unfreeze. You open up the package. You take out the insulated bag. Move the dry ice out of the way. Do not touch it with your bare hands. Trust me on that. Uh, now you have these frozen packets of uh, shrimp. Now, the shrimp is flavored, okay? They have these great flavors like lemon pepper, 
uh, their signature season, the shrimp boil, uh, French quarter, Alfredo, garlic, herb, and butter, which is personally so far my favorite. And you take the little packet out when you're ready to eat it and you take it out of your freezer and you drop it into boiling water. Like four minutes later, it's done. Let it sit for a couple minutes, cut open the bag, pour out your shrimp. It's, it's peeled, it's deheaded, it's detailed, uh, it's flavored because they have these, the flavor packets in it. It is phenomenal shrimp. I can't tell you how good it is. I, could, I mean, I could cook something for you and you'd be all, well, it looks good. Roddy's eating it. We tried it before we brought them on. We thought they did a great job. We took them on as a sponsor We because we tried the shrimp. But here's the thing. Uh, I wish we'd done the show on Tuesday, but they have a 50% off deal. So go to primeshrimp.com, order your shrimp. You get 50% off. One of my buddies just bought 15 pounds of it. He's, so they're only doing this one time. The deal ends tomorrow, Friday. So if today's 8 to 25, the 26th of August, if you're listening to the show later on, you missed it. So tomorrow, Friday, the 26th of August, that is the last day to get the 50% off prime shrimp deal. The promo code is UGA Sports. Just the, the name of the show you're watching there, UGA Sports Live. So use UGA Sports, and that'll get you 50% off. Uh, certain Over certain amounts, you get free shipping. And you get to play with the dry ice. So try it out. You'll absolutely love it. We've already seen reviews of people who have bought it earlier in the week. They're making uh, uh, sandwiches. I mean, uh, uh, po' boys. boys. They're putting it on pasta. It is phenomenal. So best shrimp I've had since hanging out with Tommy Savitovich, which is the inside joke of all inside jokes. Ah, that, all right. That is a good. One. And uh, speaking of the one of the reasons they came to us is because they're friends of Dead Soxy. Dead Soxy said, hey, look, if you advertise in UGA Sports and people come buy your stuff, these are very loyal people who like a good quality product. And of course, we know Dead Soxy is a great product. And they also use promo code UGA Sports, get 25% off. If you go to uh, deadsocky.com and now's the time to get socks because the game will be here in nine days. And if you need your new Georgia socks, your new lucky Georgia socks, you can get those. Use promo code UGA sports at dead socks and get the best damn socks you ever had. So best shrimp you ever had, best socks you ever had. All right, Dane, uh, let's start hitting up with some questions there if you would. Before we do, I want to talk with coach a little bit since I am a general manager and I've been doing a little prep on Oregon here. Uh, I, I think that as Georgia, at the, you mentioned, Coach, they've kind of moved ahead into Oregon game planning. They get their Tuesdays of a game week coming up, a pair of those. What do the Ducks have? Tell me about this coaching staff. Tell me about kind of the style that fans should expect to see against Georgia and Atlanta. Well, I'm not going to duck that question. Uh, oh, oh, he did <laughs> He did it, Roddy. He did it. Uh, I'm done. I'm, I'm off the show. I'm He's Oregon. I'm not going to give you any quacky answers, but the uh, the deal is that uh, everybody knows about Coach Lanning, who was ex defensive coordinator here, and you, you just know with Tosh Lapoy, who's the defensive coordinator, they both work together at Alabama. They're they're going to run the Georgia Alabama defense. That's that's just what they do. So it's like going against each other in practice on that uh, offensively. They hired Kenny Dillingham, who uh, Coach Lanning worked with at uh, Memphis, and they were good friends there. And then he subsequently, when Lanning came here, he went to Auburn for a year, and then he went down to uh, Florida State for the last two years. So a little combination of maybe Gus Malzahn and uh, maybe what Memphis does as far as stretching the field, a lot of deep balls that uh, Memphis did. Uh 
certainly got some outstanding individuals. We know about Sewell, the linebacker. We recruited him. I never, I never will forget the day I went over there. It was the same day we talked about last week when we said that Georgia was going to have that Saturday thing a couple weeks ago where Georgia was going to have that Saturday thing where they brought the kids in and had fun and everything. He came in for that with his mom and dad, and he was out there on the field uh, messing around before everybody came in. Uh, first of all, he took the ball and threw it about 60 yards just going around, and then he did a complete backflip just standing there at 250. And I said, who is that guy? And then they told me it was, and uh, he, he's just a good good player, and so is Flo, who was the number one player in California. So I know those two are going to be big. They lost Thibodeau, their good defensive end who got hurt the other night in the Giants game, the number one draft choice. But uh, they're going to have good players. I mean, they, you know, they, they've been right up there in the Pac-12 the last three or four years and uh, probably the only Pac-12 team. I think Washington maybe made the playoffs one year, but uh, they made the playoffs that one year and played uh, Auburn for everything. But, you know, it'll be a very good test because uh, Bo Nix, I guess, is going to be the quarterback and, He's, he's a very savvy guy. He, he, he played under Dillingham for one year at Auburn before he left and went to Florida State. So uh, that, that's, that's pretty much a good thing for both of them because you want your quarterback to know what you're doing. And, you know, you know I think that's probably one of the reasons he went there is he knew Dillingham was going. But they're talking about one other kid out there is having a good fall camp too. But I think they're just throwing out some bait to Kirby and them so they'll work on what that kid does. But uh, – you know, I, we, we're 17-point favorite. I don't know how you could be that much favorite in the first game. Wait, how much? 17. Wow. I mean, if you look at if you look at what the what the bookies have at 17, I don't know what the Atlanta Constitution has or any of those people. But uh, 17 points, a lot of points the first game. That is. Well, you know, Vanderbilt's – Eight-point favorite over Hawaii. They must be terrible. Did you I think that? both teams are terrible. I'm just saying for Vanderbilt being favored by eight. And Vanderbilt's yeah. been over there for a week. I think that was a mistake. You take a team to Hawaii for a week to, to get adjusted, they're adjusted all right. They know every honky-tonk in town. <laughs> I think it's a recruiting ploy and a, and a beautiful one. You can come to Vandy. When we travel, we travel. Yeah. <laughs> Wow, that's I, don't know. I know everyone's excited about football getting here, but watching Vandy take on uh, Hawaii's well, reminds me of that Louis Grizzard uh, saying, "It's two mules fighting over a turnip. Nobody cares." But hey, is, we'll anybody, back. is anybody having trouble with the sound on this thing? Is anybody mentioned they can't get the sound? No, I haven't had any comments to say that. Somebody so. told me they couldn't get takes from me, but I hope not. What other person? One what other about person who got asked me today said, "How long will you be watching the uh, Vanderbilt Commodores game against uh, Hawaii? How long will I watch it?" I said, "It's an easy question." He said, "Well, how long?" I said, "I'm not even going to cut it on." <laughs> <laughs> Don't get me wrong. And, I mean, I'm glad they're doing it. Uh, if you're if you're going to get beat up as much as you do by being a, foot, a Vandy football player, at least get a week in Hawaii. That's at least make it worth it, you know. Right. So, happy for uh, those guys if they get that. One other player from Oregon, I think we should probably mention uh, Christian Gonzalez, transfer from Colorado. 
Uh, this guy could go pretty high in the NFL draft this upcoming year. He's a tall, lanky guy, and Corner. he'll be all over A.D. Mitchell. He's cornerback. Corner, yeah, cornerback. Yeah, uh, he's a number zero. 6'2", yeah. 200 pounds. Coach Tucker told me he was a good player. Coach Tucker had him out there, and uh, he was in the portal. Uh, I think there was a little contact with him, with us maybe. Uh, I don't know to what extent, but uh, good move. But they, they ended up hiring a Colorado secondary coach as one of their coaches, so that didn't hurt. No, <laughs> it tends to work out in your favor that way. Yeah. Um, hey. You know, o- overall, though, like – Coach, last year I thought the best team that Georgia played in terms of defense was Clemson in the, in the first game of the season. I'm talking a regular season here. Alabama was good too. The best defense that Georgia played in the regular season last year was Clemson's in the first game. In terms of just first team talent, it may be the same case this year that the best defense that Georgia plays is in the first game. Depth, I'm not so sure. But yeah, just in got, terms of talent at got, the top. They got good players, good scheme. And, uh, you know, any way you look at it, if you – you're a Pac-12 team, and you go into the horseshoe and beat Ohio State at Ohio State like they beat them. Uh, they had the right scheme, and Ohio State couldn't adjust. They had no run support into the boundary. I don't know. Uh, they should have called Woody Hayes or somebody to help them because they were terrible. Uh, and, you know, Coach got ended up getting fired after that game. Well, he got reassigned, but uh, it was pathetic the way they tried to defend and. Uh, that, that that was just a very weak job, and uh, but a good job by Mario Cristobal and his staff. The other thing that's going to help us scouting report wise, uh, having Coach B Mack here, uh, who coached their wide receivers, he's our wide receiver coach now, so he should have a good idea about uh, telling you a lot about these guys. Hey, he's bad about going on a double move, or he's bad about. Uh, jumping off sides, or and all those little things help you. That you know, when a guy practices against them all the time, they find out things like that. Yeah, everyone always talks about Dane Landing over there, but they don't talk about Brian McClendon back to Georgia. So I think that's a a, a mind to a, a well to be mined. So they're going to go in deep into what he can do. Uh, Coach, when I look forward to this game, though, everyone talks about it's basically a home game for Georgia, and I'm like, yeah. I think that they're the boys are going to be quite hyped up to play in front of that uh, crowd at Mercedes Benz Dome. Yeah, and we got plenty of practice, you know, going over there and going through the the deal, uh, uh, playing in the championship game there last year, playing against Tech over there last year. I mean, you use kind of a lot of the same, although we stayed in different hotels because SEC mandate you had to stay in that one. But I think uh, just knowing the knowing the nuances of that stadium. I don't. I haven't heard whether they're going to have the dome open or not. Three uh, thirty game. I don't know who decides whether it's open or not, but uh, I'm sure Roddy will tell us in the three two one report whether it's going to be. I ain't doing that anymore. That's too hard. I'm going to set the bar too high. Yeah. <laughs> you need a sponsor for it anyway. Hey, no. we do have a uh, a personalized weather forecast that will be joining our. Uh, offering on our YouTube channel. So that'll be a new thing for UGA sports folks. So if you want the personalized weather forecast for, in this case, Mercedes-Benz Stadium, we got you covered. 
And it's well, supposed to be I mean, is, that being, is that being facetious because it's an indoor game or what? I mean, well, if people want to tailgate or drop up, I'm, I, we have oh, partnered with okay. Athens, Georgia Weather, which is meteorology students at the, at UGA, and they're going to do a weather forecast for the dog vent. We're pumped about it. We're going to air it yeah, during the watch yeah. along too. They're going to do it each week, so that'll be great. You know, for yeah, and talk talk about hyper localized. They're going to be able to give you weather forecasts around the stadium, not. Hey, here's what it's like for North Georgia. These uh, kids are going to do a great job. So very yeah, excited about that. And Coach, you you will appreciate. Hey, this one story about Ron Corson that I'll never forget. We we were having a big game, and there was some weather issues. So Ron called this one meteorologist that he he knew and said, "Look, hey, we need because the way way I always looked at stuff is." If, if it's going to weather, it's going to start getting worse as the game develops. You, you're probably going to open up a little more quick, quickly than than normal, you know, regardless, because you know bad weather's coming in. And so finally, the, the guy told when Ron asked him, he says, "Well, it's fifty-fifty. I mean, come on, man. <laughs> go out on a limb. Fifty-fifty is going to rain or not? I mean, come. And it's funnier to me than it is y'all. But can you?" <laughs> This guy tells Ron Corson it's 50 That's why I was still kind of staring in disbelief. I'm like, ah, really? <laughs> well, we won't get any garbage stuff like that from the guys at uh, the guys and girls over at uh, AthensWeather.com. I'm really excited about this. Uh, shout out to Dane for putting it together. And good job, you know, Dane. Good job. It up. It's a uh, we know Lance Blocker and the uh, the folks over at uh, UGA. Oh, are we going to have somebody? Uh, is Dash going to be out there with a traffic report too? Uh, no, no, street, uh, no. That's what we should do with Paul Roddy. Like if if he's still interning with us, can we put him maybe out on three sixteen? Uh, traffic is that. That's an easy one to do. Traffic is screwed up. It always has been, always will be. With the stadium and the heart of campus like that, there's nothing you can do about it. It's the the forecast for weather is. I mean, forecast for the traffic is effed. It is effed up. I mean, it's- I'm going to tell you, I just um, I admire people that go to games and fight the traffic and all. Fortunately yeah. for me, over the years, we always had a police escort and everything, but I don't know how you do it. Well, that's part of it is for people that to go to that and they set up these great tailgates and they set up their TVs to watch other games and stuff like that. They want to know, do I get out all that gear, you know? And so we're actually going to have a specific weather forecast for them. And I uh, know the Players Lounge, uh, Paul's actually going to be doing something with the Players Lounge before the game. They have a huge tailgate with a bunch of uh, former players. Uh, some media outlets will be there. Paul's going to be calling into them. So we will have a pregame show. Uh, the Players Lounge this for this game? Uh, for this, yeah, for this, uh, the Oregon game coming up. So the players lounge is the Keith Marshall deal that, uh, does a lot of NFTs and stuff like that for the players. They help the players out. So coach, how uh, many NFTs do you have? How many what? NFTs. (laughs) Non-fungible tokens. How many do you have? I I don't have any. (laughs) I don't either. (laughs) I mean, don't give me that jargon. You got it. I love it. All right, uh, Danny, you got any more thoughts on Oregon? Because I know you and uh, uh, Brent did a good breakdown the other day. Yeah, I mean, it's mainly that, like, look, people pick on Bo Nix, but, like, Bo Nix can be an effective quarterback. So if Oregon protects him well, which is difficult against Georgia, it may not be as easy as a lot of Georgia fans think. Bo Nix is a ball player, and he's hit open receivers, and he's made crazy plays 
I, I'm just saying, don't write this game off so quickly. I think Georgia's going to win and pretty comfortably too, but just, it's not going to be as 17 I points. Know, he's struggling against Georgia. He's had some success against us. I mean, first series last year, they went down and scored on us. And Auburn couldn't catch a thing. I mean, they did not help him at yeah. all. Give, give him some receivers. And again, I just, the kid's really talented. Uh, he makes me nervous. That's why I was like, 17 points. Right he's, either, that. he's either Dr. Jekyll or Mr. Hyde, I mean. Yeah. Or another well, way to say it is outhouses or penthouses. But. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you want something consistent, then you need to swing by our friends over at, uh, at uh, Academia Brewing Company. They do a great job every day. And it's, if you want good beer, they have it. If you want a great ambiance, they have that. If you want fantastic food, they have that. There's no outhouse or penthouse with those guys. They just, it's fantastic service every time you go over there. And they've been expanding. So if you need a job, you should hit them up as well. Uh, they have a new uh, beer out, you know, called the Distressed si- Distress Signal, uh, 8.4% alcohol by volume. So that's a, that's a strong IPA that you need to check out when you get a chance. And of course, what I'm most excited about is this October. Now we're telling you about this in August. It's August 25th, but mark your calendars, October 13th through the 16th. They're going to have Academia Fest. It's basically their take on an Oktoberfest celebration. So you're going to have food, beer, entertainment. Go ahead and mark it down. This is a big deal. Uh, they've had the great beer garden outside there for many, many years. Uh, I say many years or for many, for many of their Oktoberfest type things, but now they're going to have the Academia Fest. So when you get a chance, swing by Academia Brewing Company, but definitely the weekend of October 13th through the 16th. So go ahead and get that one on your calendar. Also, we'll talk about our friends over at uh, Your Pie. Uh, again, you want to talk about just consistency. If you want great food, they have it. They have specialty pizzas. They have specialty sandwiches. They have great uh, pastas. They have great salads. Uh, fantastic ice cream. That that uh, uh, new the key lime uh, cream pie gelato. Yeah, gelato and ice cream are different. One has milk, one has cream. Yeah, so yeah, hit that up. And then, of course, their Cubano pizza, the one that had the pickles, the feta, the uh, uh, pickled jalapenos, the Dijonese sauce, uh, what else? Uh, ham and bacon and mozzarella. It was just a ridiculously good pizza. It's a, they call it the Cubano. That's one of their specialties, of course. You can get the... Uh, Southern Heat, you know, the Nat, the Ishka, just fantastic pizzas. And, of course, you, the whole point of going into your pies, you walk in and say, this is the crust I want, this is the sauce I want, this is the cheese, these are all the toppings I want, make it for me. By the time you've gone to get your drink, sat down, they come to you with a fantastic pizza, inexpensive, huge. It's just the best pizza you'll ever have. So, again, when Coach is talking about uh, that kind of feast or famine, you won't have that problem when you're talking about Academy Brewing Company or your pie pizza because they're always feast. Let's get some questions uh, from UGASports.com. Uh, Coach, this is one we've touched on a bit with running backs, but I'm going to give you an angle on it because UJLM95 on Twitter asked this, but then also uh, this is Big Dog at UGASports.com. They're asking about Kendall Milton and his durability. They're concerned about that. Is that a legitimate concern? Well, based on his M.O., he has had some injuries. Uh, one of them was a, a knee that he hurt, which could happen. And then he's had some ankle issues and some hamstrings. So until he proves he can consistently uh, play out there, then uh, then you 
all of us are going to be concerned about it. I don't think that he's there's any issue with his toughness or anything else. It just it just seemed like he's had some bad fortune there. So, uh, but he he's got the uh, mental makeup. He's a very physical back. He's extremely smart on picking up stuff, and uh, he, I just feel like this is kind of a uh, a situation that's maybe uh, you know pennies from heaven in the fact that he even though he's been hurt, he's going to be fresh as a daisy. I mean, he hasn't gone through the rigors of every practice, special teams, all that stuff, uh, all the extra run. His legs are going to be really ready to rock, and I think you got to use that to his advantage. So uh, Kenny McIntosh certainly has had to do a wealth of extra work because he's been out there without him. But it also enhanced the younger guys getting more help, kind of like the tight end situation this spring with, with Bowers and Washington out. Gilbert got a chance to do a whole lot more. So uh, I'm not as concerned about him being uh, – out as, as much as I feel like that, that it could have happened to anybody with the knee like that. So uh, we'll see, but it's definitely a good question. You know, I want to mention uh, Savon Clark and Cash Jones, but mainly Savon Clark. Coach, when I was – I remember the first time I saw him, I thought he was a scholarship back. He looks the part. Good-looking kid. Yeah, so uh, I know a lot of people start, start worried about maybe the fact you lose and, uh, Andrew Paul and – Maybe uh, Kendall Mills beat up. I'm like, this kid, man. Yeah, but I mean, Savon, I mean, I, I, Savon Clark, okay. he's, he's a bad dude. Good, good point. And here's the thing: if somebody the first of the summer, now Andrew Paul has only been here for two months. Somebody the first rattle out of the box, the first June show, would have said, "What are we going to do without Andrew Paul?" I mean, nobody would have said that, but but because he's come out here and done pretty well in practice. With that, where where Milton hasn't been practicing, and where he's been going with the threes, now all of a sudden he's a irreplaceable guy. <laughs> very, very oh. true. So I, I I feel bad for the kid that he had the injury, but uh, I, I you know I just feel like our offense is going to be extremely efficient, extremely uh, uh, exciting, and uh, just just the kind of you kind of go in, you know, when I was at Oklahoma or Marshall here, you know, certain things would worry you about what if and all that. I just don't feel like that that's going to be an issue with our offense compared to what's going to happen with the new punter or what's going to happen with the new linebackers and another corner, all that. I feel like our offense is a real, like, carry the ball type deal in tough games for us. I mean, from, and of course the offense carries the ball. That's not very good, but can it kind of just make up for anything? We carry the load. Yeah. Be the brunt. Here's a quarterback question for you from Billy Zane. If you had to choose just one of these, which is kind of a strange hypothetical, but if you had to choose one, what's a bigger benefit for Stetson Bennett? having been QB1 for the spring and fall, so the offense is built around him, or that he's been the sole quarterback to develop the chemistry and timing with the other players. So I guess it's, is it more helpful that he's been the number one guy with the number one receivers, or is it more helpful that the offense is more likely built around him from a coaching standpoint? I think being around the other receivers, uh, we're going to run Munkin's offense if you're the quarterback. I mean, he, he knows what he wants to do, and, and wherever he's been, he runs a lot of the same stuff. So 
uh, the players adjust to the system more than and he adjusts certain plays for players but uh you know we we don't do a whole lot of movement with Stetson in there maybe we will now but uh, he he dropped back with him a lot but just to, from what I saw in the spring and the summer workouts I haven't watched many fall wise but the the point is just his repetition of going with somebody as compared to standing over there holding the clipboard and not doing anything and just, Hey, well, Stetson, we know you can do it. You know, we're counting on if we need you type deal. And uh, he was basically told that for two years, but now it's like anything. Uh, you get better and more efficient at something, the more you do it. And uh, he, he is a very accurate passer. And, and I've said this before, his uh, football acumen is in the upper echelon of anybody I've ever been involved with. The guy has a unbelievable football uh, mentality. He, he he can analyze things, and you can give it to him once, and he's got it in his bank now. He knows what to do with it. So how long until he's an offensive coordinator? I don't know. He's going to get one more year because he uh, his freshman year, he, he only <laughs> played with uh, one – one shoe that was uh, on scholarship, the other one was a walk-on, and so he's going to get an extra year because he didn't have the right shoes. I'm looking for well, another way to But will he graduated by that? He's older than Sam Darnold, backup quarterback, guy number one draft choice from the Jets, now playing for the uh, Panthers. Panthers. He's older than Sam. <laughs> he's older than Jake Fromm. Right. Right. Not older than me. Not anybody even watches this show is older than me. He's getting there, though. We don't have rocks in my yard older than you. Hey, let me just tell you something. <laughs> Football is king around here. I had a couple of tests here, this routine test, that two technicians are going to give me a, you know, do something to me as far as setting up the equipment and give you a test medically wise. And before they even explain the test to me, Coach, how are we going to beat it here? <laughs> I'm sitting there worried about my test, and they want to know about the team. So, hey, that John Holsey, or excuse me, Doc, I forgot his first name, Dr. Holsey over on uh, uh, Millage. I'm sitting on Baxter Street. No, wait. I'm sorry. Come on, Roddy. There you go. He's on Lumpy. This is guy. Hey, how dog's going to be this year? I'm <laughs> Are oh, you getting your you're getting your teeth? Yeah, I gave him a dentist. He's back there fixing my crappy teeth and asking me questions. I'm like, come on, man! I can't tell you about the cornerback position. <laughs> you're drilling for cavities. That's not a good thing. But, but you're right. That is, uh, I, and I've been with you, and I've seen people stop you on the street. Coach, tell me about this. And I'm like, man, can't take him anywhere. Don't go to lunch with Coach if you actually want to try to get out of there quickly. It's too oh, that's stop funny. him and uh, ask him questions. I tell you that. You just never know about people in, in the town and everything. But I think maybe I told this story several years ago. And it's funny enough that I'm going to tell it again. I was just gotten a job at Oklahoma. And I was staying at a uh, like a place like the Marriott there, uh, residency. And I was had a little apartment there. And uh, I stopped at this 7-Eleven to get something on the way into work. And, and uh, the, this one guy's talking to another guy at the, at the uh, counter there. And they said, what do you think of that new offensive coordinator they got? And uh, I said, well, I don't know. Uh, I don't know much about him. He did, well, 
he better get his ass in gear. He won't be around there very long. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so, hey, I, I knew right then I was in the right place or the wrong place. But uh, right there in 7-Eleven, I gave me a real jump start. Let's get to another uh, running back related question because this is actually one I had too. Do you think that Kenny McIntosh will be replaced as a kickoff return man since the depth may be a little less at running back? Oh, good question. I, I think that's something you always look at. But, you know, right after uh, Zamir White hurt his leg, the, you know, for the second time, uh, he, he comes back and they got him on the punt block team. And, you know, you got Carter back there as a as a wedge guy on a kickoff return. I just I think maybe you might cut back a little bit, but there's another chance to maybe you know, first of all, most kickers are gonna kick it out, but and we don't get many kickoff returns because you know, most teams don't score much against us. So that's a chance for a big play, and I think the risk is so minimal, uh, uh because you can't block below the waist and all the different things. You don't see the piles on the kickoff returns. Uh, if he's the best guy, he'll be the guy. But, you know, you got Jackson back there. You got some some really good return guys uh, that can, can handle it. I think Karras and Don Blaylock and are certainly punt returners that, that are very good. But I, I would put him back there if he's the best guy. You can't wrap them in 10 for them, and you got to let him go. Roddy, I think I found our culprit for the softball questions to Kirby Smart because, Coach, you've got one here from Scuffletown, dog. Says, Scuffletown? Coach, Scuffletown. You'll so find your ass in a minute. Go ahead. <laughs> says you've seen many teams over the years. I'm not asking you to have a crystal ball, but with your wisdom, experience, and closeness to this team, do you think we can compete with everyone this year? Thanks for everything you provide weekly and continue to do it, please. I believe we can uh... – just when you look at what we have and what the other people, sometimes you have a tendency to think about what you don't have. And you really got no control over that at this point. I mean, hopefully you got the transfer portal, you got recruiting, you got all that, but your team is what you have. And I used to talk to our coaches consistently about when we would have personnel meetings and they would be talking about certain things and you know the tendency is to look for some reasons that a guy can't play more than why he can but we can't trade for any player these are our guys these are who we got we got to develop them and play around them if they have a weakness or get somebody else in there but analyze the guys and coach them up so uh, I think our roster meets any roster in the country as far as what I always look at roster-wise, I'm not talking about 85. I'm talking about one through 44. That's a two-deep offense and defense. I, I feel like we, we're right up there with anybody. That's a good question because that's what people want to know. Old scuffle down. He's got them. Yeah. This is from uh, Tony Crawford. This is a paragraph here. Yeah, it is. I'm going to make it brief, but Tony Crawford on Facebook says, I just want Coach Donnan's input. He says, in 1971, Coach Brian gave the SEC a big surprise with the wishbone offense, and Tony Crawford thinks that the 2022 Georgia Bulldogs are going to unleash what he calls the ambidextrous offense, and that Georgia showed glimpses of it against Kentucky and Tennessee last season, and it's designed to stretch the defense and put linebackers on their heels. What does that mean? The quarterback throw with both hands or ambidextrous? I mean, there, this comment was long enough that it doesn't completely show on my screen. It just gets to the end of it and says linebackers on their heels to dot, dot, dot. So 
I'd have to go over to Facebook and I don't have that screen with me right now. But um, I think he's saying Georgia's got a lot of weapons. Yeah, I mean, we had to score points against Tennessee. We're down 10 nothing. Uh, and, you know, it's a different ball game than we had as far as being behind. And we had to, you know, answer the bell, and we did. And part of the deal was a movement that Stetson Bennett provided, particularly that goal line run, several times picking up first downs on third down with his feet. So as far as them, you know, I think he's talking about stretching the field vertically, horizontally. Uh, we can do that with, with our speed guys and with our underneath people. Uh, and we can control the line of scrimmage with our line. I mean, if you can't run the ball or you can't stop the run, you got no chance. I don't care what, what you got. I mean, you, you got to be able to stop the run because if you don't, they're just going to run you out of the stadium. And there comes a point in every team's life that you've got to run the ball when the other team knows that you, that you, uh, that's, that's coming at you. So, uh, certainly Vanderbilt and, and I mean, excuse me, uh, Kentucky and, and, uh, Tennessee present some problems to us because they got veteran quarterbacks back and, uh, some really good skill position people, but they also got to play, de- they also got to play defense against us. So, well, that, that's his uh, take, Coach. He talks uh, – I got the whole thing here. It says the ambidextrous defense, offense is designed to stretch the defense to put linebackers on the heels to defend the run or pass equally. So no tendencies right. there. So it's a dog right. you play action to uh, cook up an array of uh, different schemes. Like right. That's good. Ends, that's, good. that's a very good question because time after time I've said this, that we're going to make a lot of big plays in the passing game because the running game is going to be so good. And, and one of the things I was visualizing today when I was looking at Darnell Washington was the length of his arms. Let's just say you're a big stud, five-star defensive end. Even though you got ability, you still got to get off that frame of his. I mean, you got to, you got to, you got to some, you got to find some way to get off of him and catch that fast back that's running outside that he's tried to hook you. And beside him, you got, McClendon and Jones, two very good technicians and two very physical guys coming off together. And then if you put a wing beside him with Bowers or Gilbert, that's a massive group that you've got to get off the blocks against. And I'm not overreacting to that except to just point out that there's one thing to, you know, as a coach, you say, hey, you got to get off the block. You got to get off the block. Hey, coach, you get off the block here. <laughs> you, you tell me I'm going to get away from this guy. And uh, I, I just think our, our point of attack, perimeter blocking-wise and line of scrimmage, is going to enhance the, the play action. And he's talking about those linebackers. If you're not playing the run first, you're going to get destroyed because those guys are going to be in your lips, so to speak. We used to say come off and try to – be in his lips by the time you hit him and uh, uh, you can't do that normally but if the guy's backing up you're going to get in his lips pretty quick uh, Tony Crawford says he's a retired defensive coach and that's his review So, we Hey good that. job Tony you're, you're exactly right um, keep bringing it that's a good question and we appreciate it that was, we, we you're, giving me, you're giving me flashbacks coach about get, the off block, get off the block you're smart in my head Dexter's kind of threw me because uh, you know, the one coach used to say we got an amphibious offense. Because, <laughs> uh, you know, do y'all remember uh, Coach uh, down at uh, Florida State, Coach Bill Peterson? 
he was kind of like that Norm Collins guy. He got things mixed up and he get words. Mixed oh, like up. I do every day on this show. I'm the head coach, and don't you remember it? He said, "We're <laughs> gonna we're gonna fly down to Miami in a four plane engine, land in the lobby, and assemble in our rooms." It's like that guy Henry Patrick said, "Shoot him or die." <laughs> How the hell do you remember all this stuff? Oh, shit. Oh, that's good. I think we may have lost Coach's mic for a second. He said, how many have they hit? He said, well, I think they've hit 12. He said, well, let them hit one more for an even dozen. (laughs) (laughs) Now you're making me call. With the ambidextrous offense question, so I had this idea, and I want you to be straight with me, Coach, and you tell me if this is a terrible idea because I've never coached football, so I'm assuming it is. Could you ever have? Could could you ever have two quarterbacks, one right-handed, one left-handed? The center can snap it each way. No, you you just adjust to the seams. You know what I mean? But it's a little different with Erickson because he's a left-handed snapper. But, you know, the way the, some people used to snap the ball where they turn, the, turn it up like this so they could come off the ball and lean on it and flip it up. But most guys would just bring it back with a natural turn and, and the quarterback can just adjust his hands top or bottom to get the laces if you're left-handed or right. So, uh, but the quarterback center exchange, without question, is one of the hardest things to master, both of them, and for the center to get a block afterwards. Uh we used to spend five minutes every day on the quarterback center exchange, every place I ever coached, just because it looks automatic, but it's not. And the other thing we did is we made the quarterbacks call their cadence at the same time. So they were close to being the same as everybody else. So instead of Dane saying set blue 14, blue 14, as soon as the first quarterback, I'd point to him, and he would say, sit, and then everybody would be saying it in rhythm. So all three of us, let's say it, say, Roddy, it's going to be set, blue 14, blue 14, go. So right when I say set, we're going to say it together, all three. Set, set. blue 14. 14. I said it the same time with me. I, I said it the same time. I was doing it. Set. You don't set. Blue 14. Blue 14. So now you're same on it, okay? Yeah. So, and you also, we had a voice inflection guy that we always had coach them that worked on their larynx and where you, you, you just didn't say set. You, you tried to bring it from down here, like right here, set, you know, where you could, where you could hear it. So a guy can learn how to have a, have a really good quarterback volume there by using, starting out down there lower in your stomach. So. Sit. instead of sit, you know, so that's what, there's a little thing there you didn't know. Well, no, it's funny you say that because every year I've been, I mean, I've been on the sidelines for 29 years since 93. First guys that come out, besides the kickers, quarterbacks and centers, they line up every quarterback and as many centers as, you know, for one for each guy. And they all sit there and take snaps for five, 10 minutes before they do anything else. Yeah, that's good. I'll tell you a good story here. We got to go, but uh, I was coaching in Missouri and we had a new line coach, Larry Bechtel, who was a tremendous line coach, ended up coaching in the pros, but but he was a tough ass. I mean, he was tough. And we go out with a sort for the center quarterback exchange, me, the quarterback coach. And uh, I've never had an offensive line coach go out there with me because they're still in there trying to get the linemen 
blocking chairs and stuff. You know, the chair drill. You put a chair here. If it's the three technique, you're going to block down on a big guy. So Beck comes out there and uh, in the locker room. He says, I want the nose guards and the centers out there with the quarterback center exchange. We're going to go live, big guys. I mean, this is an hour and 15 minutes for the game, and they're out there scrimmaging like if and I'm saying, why in the world are we doing this? He said, we got to get somebody on his nose to see if he can handle that big guy. So uh, we did the quarterback center exchange with the nose guards. <laughs> and our players were pissed, man. I mean, that was ridiculous. You're just supposed to be out there getting the snap, but he's out there blocking. <laughs> I love it. Uh, hey, Coach, that's hilarious, man. I'm sorry. Well, yeah. Let's end with one final update because Jack White in our comments has been asking, can you just give an update on kickers and punters because he's worried about that? I do know this uh, for a fact right now that the dome will be closed. So uh, look at him breaking some news here before we get out of here. All right. So uh, what, what about the punters and the kickers? Kickers yeah, and punters. Are, is there a reason to worry? Rod Lesney's had some up and downs out there, but you know, uh, Tiger Woods doesn't shoot a 68 every time. You know, you, you're going to have some uh, probably helped him a little bit to, you know, not just be hunky dory, had to bear down and go through a little oblivion there. So, He'll be good. Zirkle is a good kickoff guy, too. I think either one of them capable of kicking off in the end zone. Uh, and then Thorson, as a punter, we've talked about him as a new guy uh, coming in here uh, and never played in America. But uh, he, he's developing, and he'll be okay. Uh, I think we'll do a lot of pooch punts because I think we'll be on the other side of the 50 a lot this year. And we might be going for it. But I don't see us being – I don't see many three and outs for this offense. If we get penalties or or fumbles or stuff like that, but I'll predict right here on August the 25th at 9.02 p.m. that we will not have many three and outs this year. What What is – Everybody know what a three and out is? Yeah, but what's the – I know you do, but everybody – you know, that means you, you get a possession, you run three plays, and you punt. What's the normal average on that? I don't know. I mean, if you've got a lot of them, you get in your ass fired. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> I was just wondering, it's like, because uh, one of the great things we learned doing the watch along with you was how coaches look at the games. Fans look at the games by stats and the score. You guys look at each the game by each possession. What did I do with my possession? What did you do with your possession? What did I do with yeah, my where, next? Where you got the ball and where you let it go. Yeah. Like, we, and that's how you guys you judge the entire outcome. On Friday night, there's a heck of a lot of difference between a turnover on your end of the field and on their end of the field. Yeah. And you, you'll talk about your turnovers, where they occurred, and usually speaking, they're not going to score if you turn over on their end of the field. On your end of the field, pretty good 70% or more. So – we would talk about times we got the ball on their end of the field, not necessarily from turnovers, but we had this, you know, this challenge sheet that we kept up every week, how we did the week before and how we're doing cumulative on the season. And it's really, really uh, kind of saying about how your team's doing based on those, those four or five things where we got the ball, what we did with it, because if you get the ball on your 
10-yard line or back, you got one goal. Get the ball out and make one first down so you don't have to run a tight punt out of your end zone. That's a successful series if you do that. If you get the ball on their end of the field, then you want to you want to have some kind of, you know, times we got the ball in and they're in the field and scored, you want a high percentage there because you should score if you get the ball. Because you're now running four downs instead of three. I mean, you're looking at it like that. So that's the most philosophy I've had like 15 years here. So, <laughs> no, it, it, But it really helped because then we'd take that information and we'd hear questions to Kirby Smart and people would, Kirby, your quarterback had two turnovers and everybody's upset about it. And Kirby's like, it's not a big deal. And this is from Kirby Smart who's, you know, everything's a big deal. Because the interceptions were on the the opponent's five or the opponent's yeah. twelve, right. you know, and he's like, "That sucks," but you know that's the game. Whereas if he, he throws a pick six on his side of the field, he's he's got that vein going down the side right. of his neck, you know. Right, and there's there's a, you know, you throw the ball on third and twelve and fifty yards down the field, and they intercept it. That's as good as a punt. Yeah, you don't want you don't. Want all, to do. we're, all we're concerned about is the there was an interception. So I think Kirby does really good. Uh, I don't know who they're the people they talk to or get it, but they have these analytics like the baseball pitchers, uh, scouts and all that, how they analyze the situation. Same thing's true. Uh, this group has every situation that happens in, the, in every college football game the previous week and gets the stats on it about what the percentage of how many times the team had it here when they went for it and all that. And they look at those, you know, cumulative. It's pretty vivid on everybody that plays. And uh, you think about the analytics of any situation. Like for us last year, nobody really talks about it. But in the national championship game, we scored and were ahead by seven before Ringo intercepted the pass. And there's a lot of people that might say, why don't you go for two there and the game's over? Uh, If you go for one, they still got to go for two to tie you. And if you go for one, for two and miss it, then they could beat you with a two point. So a lot in your mind there. I mean, that's that's a tough call. But percentage play was to kick it and make them try to score and get a two point play. But you put the game away with a two point play and you're up nine with five minutes to go. You remember that, Roddy? I did. Good. <laughs> now that's a. Uh, it, it's funny to watch the coaches. Because being a photographer, I would always try to get the touchdown, then try to whip around and either get the quarterback's reaction or the head coach's reaction. And it's funny, as they see the ball going into the end zone, they're holding up the one or the two, you know, because they're thinking like that, you know. Especially- well, you got, you got to do that because if you're going for two, you don't want those – because seriously, there's about four or five guys on the extra point team. That that's about it for them. <laughs> I mean, I, nothing against no, them. I, I know. That's a chance for them to get in there and protect and all. And they can't wait to get out there. And then you go running out there and you're going to go for two. And you, you, you're over trying to get them off the field. So that's, but you also. I mean, you guys are doing it before the score has even been made. It's like, <laughs> you know, a lot of times these guys hold up one and uh, some old lady and the rest of them knows you're going for one. But I mean, it's just, or an old man. I'm not going <laughs> to. But, you know, it, it, you got to decide there. But usually speaking, you're talking to your team in the previous series before they went out there after the kickoff and say, look, if we score here, we're going for two. 
you know, uh, or you might say when we score instead of if. When we score now, we're going for two, so don't come running off the field. <laughs> I love it. All right. That's uh, all the time we have. We're actually over time. So thanks to Prime Trump and Academia Brewing Company. Well, nine o'clock show, we should, I mean, eight o'clock show, we should give them a little more here. And uh, Yeah. Hey, I, I didn't mention our friends over at Athens Ford, though. I do want to mention that the fact that they are now, they got 254 vehicles on the lot. That's wow. a lot. There's not, there's not a ton of folks that have that. And I want to give a big shout out to a, uh, uh, let me find him real here, uh, Ryan. Ryan uh, is going over there. He's already done it. He's put down a down payment on a Ford Bronco. So shout out to Ryan for being a watcher of this show, for going to Athens Ford, getting a Bronco, and then letting him know that he watches this show and being sure that uh, our friends over there, Brian Clover and the folks know that, uh, hey, he watches the show and he heard about Athens Ford and he's uh, going to get a vehicle from them. So if you are, if you need a Ford Bronco or you need a, a Lightning F-150 or you need any of the fantastic vehicles they have, and they have 254 vehicles on the lot, and that's way more, way, way more than a lot of other people do. So get a chance, swing by Athens Ford. They'll take good care of you. And again, sorry we didn't get to as many questions in the uh, comment section as we would like to. Uh, appreciate it, uh, Larry, Howard, Alan, Jack. Uh, How can I answer their questions afterward? Is some way I can answer them? Uh, yeah, we can just go on our Facebook page here, and you can answer a few of them. And uh, I'll try to get some of the ones over on the uh, YouTube channel. So. Uh, well, what's Facebook? No, just, uh, it, it's besides your NFTs, Coach. Okay. <laughs> and uh, shout out to Howard and Charles and uh, uh, Beer Cans and Batty. So appreciate yeah. all you folks uh, being tuning in, and we will have a show for you next Tuesday. We should be back on the Tuesday schedule, and we'll see you next week. Next week is game week, so can't wait. You get, folks your game, game. get your game face on. You know, that's one thing I always worry about. People say, well, he's got his game face. It's like uh, somebody saying he's got burnout. Now, what is burnout? Is it like this? Or like that? I mean, what, what is it? I mean, what's his game face? I mean, all right, but well, let's get serious. Okay, good night, Gracie. <laughs>